Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome back to part three of our Generating Online Income mini-series. Uh, you might want to go back and listen to the first two if you haven't done that already. In the first episode, we talked about some of the elements you need to have in place to generate some online income. In episode two, we talked about some of the back-end systems you're going to need. And in this episode, we welcome back a previous guest, Dan Norris, author of The Seven Day Startup, a great book, which is essentially a blueprint for how you can get up and running with an online business quickly. So sit back and enjoy this final part in our three-part mini-series with Dan Norris. All right, I want to welcome back to the show Mr. Dan Norris, previous guest on episode three and episode 32, if you want to go back and check those out. Uh, and if you're listening in the future, the world is in the grips of the corona apocalypse at the moment, and uh, everyone's uh, quarantined down, maybe not going to work, might have lost their job, might have been uh, might have been laid off or whatever, and they're looking for a bit of a pivot, looking for where that next uh, that next paycheck's coming from and where that next mortgage payment's coming from. So, um, if you're sitting in quarantine and you've got time on your hands, now's the time to look at getting rid of that single source dependence and starting your own online business. And nobody better to talk to, in my opinion, than Mr. Dan Norris. Dan, how are you, brother? Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Right. So when I started my online business, uh, I don't know how many years ago it is now. It seems <laughs> seems like decades. <laughs> but uh, uh, your book, Seven Day Startup, was really kind of instrumental in opening my eyes to a lot of things in, in creating what I call the magic of momentum. You know, a lot of people want to talk about stuff, but don't want to take action. And your book is uh, nothing but action. So um for all those people who might be struggling and might be looking for to diversify, get into an online business, uh, start something new, I thought we'd get you back on and talk about the seven-day startup because that's a pretty evergreen, pretty evergreen book. Uh, and for anybody who wants to go and grab that book, you can find it on Audible, Amazon.com, uh, etc. But um, let's talk about it for a little bit. Let's talk about the the genesis of what what led to that book. I remember I started following you kind of in the informally days when you were putting out some killer content all the time. Um, so you just want to give the, the listener kind of a brief history of the genesis of the seven day startup? Yeah, it's funny because I I haven't really thought about this very much at all for a long time because my business now is so totally different um, to w- what it was then that it's just not, it's kind of relevant to me anymore. Um, I'm running a what you would probably describe as a pretty traditional business in a brewery. Um, but yeah, back then I was—I just wanted to be a software entrepreneur. I kind of still do, but <laughs> I've just never been able to. And um, so yeah, I, I built an app. It wasn't going very well, and then I was kind of desperate at the end of that. And instead of working away on something for another year, which I had done previously, um, I just launched something super quick and just sort of realized at the time I was doing it that I was building a business in seven days, and it was a catchy title, and and I turned it into a book. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people around the time needed something like that and that the book was reasonably successful and a lot of other people read it and 
kind of tried to do the same thing and and um if not start a business in seven days then just use some of the principles of you know testing things quickly and you know getting up a minimum viable product and you know uh, killing ideas that weren't working a bit quicker that that was a big part of it as well um and yeah just taking action as opposed to just sitting on an idea for a long time yeah it's a great story and i think uh, for those people who aren't familiar with it um you were working informally as you said and you know that wasn't going goes <laughs> going the way you wanted it to um and you're basically running out of money pretty quick and you need to come up with an idea or go back to a working nine to five kind of job. And um, so you didn't have much runway left as far as money. And so you had to iterate and come up with something quick that was going to do it. And that became WP Curve, which was uh, a very successful business that you eventually sold to GoDaddy, uh, you know, down the track. So for those people who say, you know, you can't start a business that quickly, well, clearly you, that's not true because uh, – <laughs> Uh, you, <laughs> you have, and people do it, and uh, people do it frequently. So let's kind of uh, give the listener a bit of an idea of, of, of kind of the methodology behind that. You talk about kind of three key concepts in the book, um, you know, the, the, the idea, the execution, and the hustle. Yeah. So I guess if you're going to come up with, if you're going to come up with a business in seven days, you know, the idea is pretty crucial. What are some key elements of, of brainstorming that idea, and what are the kind of the key criteria of what is a good idea versus kind of you know what's kind of a shit idea yeah well i think i think you know these things change a lot as you find yourself in different positions as an entrepreneur like back then my my idea of a good business to start in seven days was something that, that could be scalable but also something that was cheap and easy to start um and that rules out a lot of different businesses so it rules out any kind of local business uh, rules out basically any kind of technology company or startup in the traditional sense, um, and what you're left with was, it, you, in a lot of cases, was a productized service was sort of like the best of both worlds. I thought, or, or arguably the worst of both worlds, but something <laughs> that potentially could scale, not not to the extent of a software app. Um, it's always much harder to scale a services business than a software business, but um, potentially can scale if you build it the right way but also can be started very quickly. So I started that WordPress support business with one developer who um, who I've just actually worked with in the last week on another idea um, randomly. Um, but but he, he was the one guy I had and I was able to start it basically overnight because it was an easy business to start and then we were able to grow it to, um, you know, whatever it ended up being, a hundred uh, million dollars a year, like a, a decent decent company. Um and so, yeah, but but these days, my you know, I'm in a very different position. The business I'm in there is is in no way uh, a seven day startup. It's, it's taken us five years to um, get to where we are now, um, and you know, it's still still barely profitable. So it's it's a totally I'm in a totally different place as an entrepreneur. But hopefully, the listeners in the place where they want to build something quickly in the seven day startup ideas can be useful to them. Yeah, for sure. And so you know. How do you, how what would be your advice to, for them to generate an idea? Because that's probably the thing that holds most people back. They go, oh, "I don't have anything to sell, or I don't have an idea, or I don't, I don't know where to start." And yeah. I think that's where they get hung up the most. I think is that on, on that idea phase. Well, I think it's. I think you, you got to. I guess the point of the book is is that you. It's okay to get hung up on different ideas and have lots of different ideas, but don't get hung up on trying to work out if it's a good idea. When you can easily test that, that's that's the big point of that section. Is like, 
you know, is is a monthly support service for WordPress a good idea? I, I don't know. And none of my friends knew either. Most people seem to think it was a bad idea, that it wouldn't work. Um, but I figured it was an easy thing to test. I can just put up a landing page. I can build a WordPress page in two minutes, uh, put a PayPal button on it, which is what I did. And I can send people an email and ask if they want to sign up and then figure out how to manage it later. And um, that was all perfectly testable. And without much effort at all, I could work out if it was a good idea. And alternatively, you could sit around and debate it for weeks and weeks and then come up with other ideas and tweak it and perfect it and then end up not launching anything or end up launching something that's not working and not bothering to test or, or read the data that it's not working and just sticking on a shitty idea for 12 months. And I, I guess the, the other thing that with ideas is like in some cases the same idea w- will be great and in other cases the same idea will be really bad. Like there's for every Facebook there's a competitor who had exactly the same idea that lost all of their money um, either quickly or slowly but just about every single one of the people that built something similar to Facebook is, is now out of business. So, so was it a good idea or was it a bad idea? I, I mean – it's got a lot to do with timing and luck and it, and it's more about whether you can make this idea work as opposed to whether something is a good idea. But um, I, th- I think if you're looking at ideas and trying to determine, you know, what's worth testing, because you're not going to know if it's a good idea or not until you ask someone to pay for it. But if you're looking to determine what's worth testing, I, the, the big thing I would look at is whether people are paying for a solution to this problem already. And if they're not, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to build a business quickly around this idea. If, if they are paying for something already and it's a matter of them changing who they're paying to, to you as opposed to someone else or, or tweaking the way they manage those payments, then sweet. Um, but if they're not paying for it already and you're going to try and change their behaviour as a consumer to pay for something that they never paid for before, then that's going to be extremely difficult and it's probably not going to work. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of key concepts there. Yeah, you, you you want to sell them something that they're already buying, so you don't have to educate them as to why they have a need for that particular thing, right? Yeah, so, and and it's not just a need; it's 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 a desire to pay money. Like I've got a lot of need yeah. for lots of different things, and I will tell you that I'll pay money on all of these things, and that's great. But but will I actually pay money for? Like, what things do I actually pay money for? You know, like a especially a monthly subscription. Like, if I think of the monthly subscriptions that I pay money for. They're all, they're all very, very critical things, you know, other than like home entertainment and stuff. Like for business, it's, it's apps we can't live without and it's services that we can't do ourselves. Um, it's not that there's nothing that we pay money for that we don't desperately need. So um, you, you kind of need to start there. Yeah, for sure. And then the other key concept I was going to mention is, is one you have in the book as well, which is test assumptions, right? So um, I think there's a section in there where you talked about uh, when you were doing informally that everybody told you it was a great idea, right? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. But as you said, when it came to hitting the buy button, most of those people didn't do it. So you can't really kind of listen to what someone's opinion of your idea is. You, you do it. You have to do exactly what you said. You have to put the buy button out there and get somebody to part with some cash yes. uh, to prove that the idea is actually worth pursuing. I think. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to this as well, because like I had people writing me testimonials to put on the website um, about how much they love the app. And, and I had analytics in the app, so I knew. I think I was using um, – what's, what's a live chat app? I can't remember what it's called. It's the one that's kind of started the whole like instant live. Oh, Lark or something? 
Intercom. It was Intercom I was using. Intercom, right. um, yeah. So I knew exactly what people were doing in the app. You could log into Intercom. I could see their face and I could see how often they'd logged in, how much they were using it, you know, all that stuff. And the people that were saying they love this thing weren't even using it. And, <laughs> right. so, and, these, and these were people that were my friends. Like I'm not having a go at them, but it's just there's a lot of nuance to this sort of stuff. And even, even some of the people that paid for it weren't using it. And because a lot of the people that paid for it were supporting me. And, yeah. you know, it, it probably, they probably didn't need it, to be honest. And so you've got you to think of all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, if you're not even asking someone to pay for it, then that's where you're going to fall down every time. Because if you're just listening, everyone's going to tell you it's a great idea. No, one, no one's going to tell you it's a bad idea. Um, and I mean, if you've got friends that are entrepreneurs, they might. But just generally, everyone's going to say it's a great idea. But whether they pay for it is another thing. And even if they do pay for it, you, you probably got to look at why they're paying for it. And then on top of that, you got to figure out how to actually build a sustainable business after they pay for it and make it useful and critical to them afterwards, which is another step. So there's, there's a lot of nuance to it. But I think the, the other point of that book was when something works, you kind of know it works and, and things take off. And that's happened to me probably, probably three times over my 14 years as an entrepreneur and probably 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 ideas. I don't know how many ideas I've launched, but lots. And probably three, only three or four times has one of them really taken off. And when it takes off, you know, and, and you, you, don't, you don't ever have to think about the idea again. You just have to make it useful and work out how to run the business and keep growing. But um, if it's not taking off, then there's a pretty good chance it's not a very good idea for you at that time. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and the... The, one of the other key concepts in the book is that, you know, it's called a seven day startup for a reason. Cause you can, if you're trying to start a business, you can draw this process out forever if you wanted to. So the next key concept was execution, which was the seven day roadmap for everything. So, you know, day one, we talked about having an idea and how to generate that idea. But day two was, you know, coming up with a minimum viable product. So, um, what would you consider a minimum viable product to get, you know, where, where do you draw that line between, Keeping working on your product or getting that that pay button up. Yeah, this. I mean, this is a really, really difficult decision to make because, on one hand, you, you know, the, the the word viable is in there for a reason. You can't just put something up that doesn't work and expect people to pay for it and expect people to sign up to a subscription for it. Um, that's that's a minimum product. It's not a viable product. It it, it needs to be something that is valuable enough for someone to pay for. So that can be really tricky, and that's why. You know, things like software apps are really, really hard to do with this kind of methodology. They're not impossible. There are examples out there that, uh, where people have been able to do it. And in most cases, they're software developers themselves in, in just about all cases, I think. Um, that's, I think that's changing now with all the tools that are available now. But back when I wrote this, I think it was 2013, you, you pretty much had to be a software developer to build a software app. Um, so that's why a lot of people use this for services because, um, that was the thing that you could start and make viable very quickly, but yeah, I guess I guess it's getting easier and easier. Like like I, the other week, found myself in a position where I'd sort of just realised that I'd done all of this again for our brewery when we we launched our um, supply drop delivery service, and we launched it seven days after. And and I hadn't thought about the concept or the book or anything in any of those days until the seventh day when we launched it. And I just realized I'd done the whole thing again. And it's slightly different because we're inside a company that already has a product and already has customers and all of that stuff. But, but I did all of the same things. And to make it 
minimum and viable. I, I built the thing myself using technology that we we're already already using. Um, I made sure it worked on mobile so people could use it. It's, it's not particularly sexy. It's not um, it's not a native app on the app store yet. It's just a little mobile website, um, but it works. And we put through orders and, and it was going to work. There's a lot of manual stuff behind the scenes where people are messaging each other to work out where to deliver the beer and and um, who's going to deliver what and all that kind of stuff. And we're using, you know, Zapier to send orders into Trello and all this kind of stuff and the drivers with phones. It's, you know, it's very ugly behind the scenes, but to the customer, they go on a nice, neat-looking website with its own brand, its own logo. They order the beer and on the same day, the beer rocks up to their house. So so that's to me. And, and, and I built that on WooCommerce using existing plugins and an app wrapper without knowing any code in in a couple of days. Yeah, and I, I definitely wanted to circle back to that because I think there's lots of people who are finding th- themselves in in your position at the moment because, you know, as you, as you mentioned earlier, you've kind of, you're not in that kind of online market, well, you are online marketing, but you're not kind of in that online business space. You're in a more traditional bricks and mortar. We've got a property in, in, a, in buildings and employees kind of space. Um but you're finding yourself having to pivot and you're applying those principles from the seven day startup to kind of a more traditional bricks and mortar business, which I think a lot of people would find themselves in at, at the moment there. Yeah. You know, you know, the restaurants are closed. All the pubs are closed. All the, you know, a lot of the venues are, a lot of the venues and traditional businesses are closed. So they can sit there clutching their pearls and wringing their hands, or they can get off their ass and, and, and try and pivot like you just talked about. Yeah. So uh, for those people to just take a side here, for those people who aren't familiar with the rest of that story is, uh, you started a brewery, right? With your with your mates, uh, <laughs> three mates making beer by the beach. What's better yeah. than that? Right? Yeah. So, um, and that's grown, you know, into quite a successful enterprise with, you know, all the traditional trappings of a of a normal quote unquote normal business. Um, and then when the coronavirus hits, all of a sudden you can't distribute to the restaurants and the pubs and the cafes anymore because they're all closed. Um, yeah. You needed to find a you needed to find a way to pivot, and I think that's kind of the main inspiration that I, I wanted to get across to everyone listening. Is even if you have a more traditional business and you think that this doesn't apply to you, you, you may be wrong, and you may need to look for uh, different ways you can pivot. So that that pivot that you were talking about for those who aren't familiar, uh, I know I follow you online. I've been following the story, but you know you you don't have that distribution through restaurants and cafes anymore. So you created that app so that people could order straight from their home and it goes straight from the brewery to their house, you know, which is a great uh, example of how you can pivot using, you know, kind of an online or kind of a more app or service-based focus. Yeah. Well, we had, we had a few problems to solve and, and we, we did it within, within a week, but we lost all of our restaurant and bar customers, which was 50% of our Sorry, it was it was. Let me see. It was thirty thirty five percent of our wholesale business, and then we lost our on site tap rooms, which was twenty five percent of our entire business. So, um, like basically overnight, we lost uh, a quarter of a million dollars revenue a month, um, and and we still have all of the expenses that we had before and 30, 30 staff members and all the rest of it. So, we we've still got the business selling beer into bottle shops, which is good for as long as that lasts. Um, but losing half of the rest of the business meant we had to do some pretty drastic things. And, and not only from a customer point of view to make sure we could get them the beer, but also for a, from a staffing point of view, because 
I don't want to lay off my staff members and I've got all these sales reps that can't go out into venues. So we sort of combined the two things, came up with our own direct delivery service where the staff members from sales have changed their roles into um, delivery drivers. And, uh, the, yeah, the app and the office staff sort of sit behind there administering this thing and uh, the customer gets the order delivered straight to their door. And we did – yesterday we launched it in Brizzy. I think we did about 70 deliveries yesterday. Last Friday we did another online launch and did about 70 deliveries. So it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing to coordinate when you've got orders coming through the online store, different territories and coverage maps, and you've got three different drivers on the road, who some of which can't come back to the brewery because you're in a different city. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a challenge. <laughs> yesterday was pretty stressful. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've managed to, like last week, I think the revenue for the business was down about 14%. Um, and if we did nothing, it, it could have been down, you know, as much as 50% if, if we just, yeah. if we did absolutely nothing. So, so we're, we're having a big impact on, on the situation, making it way better than it could have been. It's still, it's still not looking good, but it's, it's looking a lot better than it could have been. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, and that's kind of one of the things, one of the positives I think that's come out of this is watching uh, watching a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners doing those pivots. And you're like, oh, okay, there's there's somebody who's not, you know, just not rolling over and giving up. There's someone who's applying a bit of, you know, a bit of imagination as to how they can keep their business running. And, you know, for you, how you can keep your employees and your staff uh, on payroll and, and not let this uh, let's kill this business that you're so fond of and you spent so much time building. I said it, which kind of loops us back to this minimum viable product uh, discussion, which, you know, you say, you say in the book, you know, what can you offer as a real product or service? And as you said, it can look very ugly in the background, but let's get it going. Let's get it started. Let's start doing it. And then we'll, we'll learn the lessons from that straight away. And you can tie yeah, it up, you, clean you, it up. You end up, learning it what, you end up learning what the big problems are rather than assuming what they might be. And that's, that's the big thing. Like we, with the delivery thing, you know, we, we put it up and without having any clue what was going to happen or how ugly it was going to be, we just made it live and we just started doing it. And it was, once you're dealing with real data and real information, it becomes really, really obvious what the priorities are. So, so we've made a bunch of changes to it since then. We've changed the time we deliver, we've changed the amount of deliveries we do, we've changed the process for the drivers, we're looking at storage in Brisbane, we've, we've tweaked the application, we've put some more automation in there, we've set up um, custom emails that go into Trello with the addresses in there, we're, we're using Google Maps in a different way, we've got automated code on the site that, that tells people that the delivery run for the day is over and we'll start again tomorrow. This is all stuff we've done in the last seven days. Um, since we launched it that we never would have even thought of before and and but we know it's important now because we can see customers using it and where they're falling down and where the problems are so you're kind of dealing with real information as opposed to dealing with assumptions and, and potentially just working on the wrong things yeah for sure and just maybe on a more positive note um you know when when this is all over and everything goes back to normal and uh, you're distributing to restaurants and pubs are you still planning on keeping that Keeping that service, I like to think so. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I kind of think people's habits might change for good after this. You know, it might not ever go back to quite the way it was. So if that's the case, and people are still happy to buy direct from businesses, then we'd be mad not to keep doing that because I think if you can have a direct relationship with your customer, then you should have one. 
So just to loop back to the to the seven day startup methodology there. So you know that was a minimum viable product. Bash that out the door as soon as people hit the pay pay button. You know you're onto something, and then you can iterate that. You know do it as clumsily and manually as at first as as necessary, um, and then you'll learn the lessons when you start doing it. And then you can clean it up afterwards. And like you said, it could be an additional revenue stream for your business for years to come. So, um, and then the the next day and three and day four of uh, the seven day startup methodology talks about finding a business name and and creating a website or a landing page. And I think that's that's all pretty standard stuff. And you can get that information out of the book. Um, but just some keys on the business name. You know, make it simple, make it easy to say, make it. Makes sense, and I think that probably the most important thing <laughs> is to take it already, uh, which becomes the hard thing most of the time. Yeah, and I think I think also with the with the website and with like the the whatever the product is, if it's if it's a website or if it's an app or if it's a service that's in a brochure or something like like whatever it is, I would I would still encourage people to not like not just put something up that looks shit because you've got the excuse that you've only got one day to do it. Like, be scrappy and and figure out a way to put something up that looks really good. Like with this, with this delivery service thing, I had four or five different names we brainstormed. Um, I wanted something nice and short and fun, so we called it Supply Drop, which is a, a kind of fun play on words. Our company's called Black Hops, so we like little military names for things. It's a short name. It's pretty fun. I had my designer in the Philippines do four or five different versions of, of the logo. It cost me like thirty dollars, and I chose one, and that was one that was just overnight. And I, I did all the custom stuff on the site just with plugins and a little bit of CSS that I Googled to make it look really neat. So it looks like a Black Ops product. The mobile site is is black. It's got all of our beers on there. The photos are nice. The lo- it's got a nice, neat logo. All of that was achievable in, in one or two days. So I think just just because you've only got one day doesn't mean you put something up that looks shit. You, you, you can still do some pretty good work in a couple of days if you do your research and, and you, you actually don't accept something that's that's not good. And that's a challenge because you don't want to be a perfectionist about everything. The point is to execute. But it doesn't mean you can't make things that are presented well. Yeah, and I'll put some links in the show notes. Um, it's not hard to find nice templates or nice designers. Uh, you know, like you said, you had a designer on staff, but you can always go and look at Upwork or uh, worse yet, Fiverr or something and, and find something that looks good enough uh, or looks still looks good. Uh, it still looks professional, and you can do that relatively quickly. Places like Graphic River and those yeah. kind of places where you can get stuff. And with all the different website templates and services, you know, if you don't if you don't know how to do a WordPress website, you know, it's pretty simple. But if you don't know how to do that, there's stuff like Wix, you know, that has plenty of templates. You can make stuff look nice. Uh, you may end up changing it later, but as we, you know, we're trying to execute, we're trying to iterate and get this done quickly yeah. so we can learn our lessons and. In, in, build the final product later if that makes a lot makes yeah we'll just keep refining the product so we we built we built it using our existing online store on woocommerce even though what i wanted looked totally different than what the store looks like it it feels totally different um there's there's downsides to have it built off the same store because it shares a checkout with the rest of the store so we needed to deal with those problems but but that was the quickest and easiest way to do it and if the thing takes off then it might make sense to build our own store. It might make sense to build our own native app. I, I don't really know, but um, we we can improve it over time, or we can change it easily later on. But now we now we know whether or not it's working. Yeah, exactly. So you don't, you don't know unless you launch, right? Which is yep. the subtitle of the book where you don't <laughs> learn to launch. Um, 
And then, so I guess that kind of moves us on to day five. So let's say you've done all those things. We're on day five, which kind of really talks about the marketing, getting eyeballs to it. So if someone's starting a new business, let's say they're not pivoting like you did, but they're just kind of starting something new, side hustle, or maybe it's going to be a new full-time gig for them. You know, how can they get eyes on this thing? You know, if you build it, they will not come. It's kind of really what happens on the internet. Yeah, I think it, de- it depends. I mean, if, if you get to the point where you know it is a, a a viable thing, then you can cast the net far and wide with content and with different marketing options and Facebook ads and Google ads and, and anything else, email lists and anything else. Um, but until you know, you probably you got to probably do this, the kind of marketing that will get you as close as possible to the people who are most likely to buy. And I mean, that's pretty general advice. I don't, I don't know. It depends on what you do. But for us, um, we, we could put this in front of people in our ambassador group who love the brewery, who love the beer, who live mostly on the Gold Coast, who come into the tap room, who are absolutely perfect for this service. So we, so we put it in there. I mean, w- w- with something like this, we don't even need to market it outside of that like we, like we don't even need to put it on our social media or do facebook ads or anything we, we just put one post in the group and uh built like a little pre-email list and told them about it and we'd sold the 20 orders in the first day in in a couple of hours easily um because we're so close to those customers and so that's that's the key and, and what i did with wp curve was very similar i I'd built a lot of content before then i built an email list and i contacted those people who were by far the most likely people to buy from me and said, here's the button you have to click if you want to buy this service. And 10 of them clicked it, and that's what that's why it became a business. So whatever you have to do, I mean, it might be in-person stuff. It, it just depends on the business and whoever's doing it. But I'd say in this stage, you want to stay away from broad, just random sort of, you know, doing podcast interviews and blog posts and hoping someone might stumble across it. That, that stuff's for later on or potentially before. But during this period, what you want to do is do whatever you can to get as close as possible to the people who will pay you and then you have to ask them a direct question about whether or not they want to sign up and pay you for this product or service. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and there's always a group of people that you know that you can talk to, that you can launch to, whether it's in a Facebook group, whether it's an email list that you've got, whether it's some forum that you're part of or whatever, or customers, existing customers, if you're a brick and mortar business like you guys, there's always somebody you can ask and somebody you can validate the idea against. Yeah. Um, I, just another point on that one. I think another thing I've mentioned in some of my books, um, I, I don't, perhaps not in that book, but anyway, one of the books um, is that it can be dangerous to scratch your own itch sometimes. Like, like you hear that advice for entrepreneurs to scratch your own itch because you, you know, you have a good understanding of the problem, but that can be really dangerous because you're making a lot of assumptions if you're, if you're scratching your own itch. And if you're not doing that, and if, instead, if you know a bunch of people who have this problem, then you already have your answer about who you're going to talk to when you start marketing. So that, that problem is solved for you. So I, I, I would be cautious building a product for yourself. I know that's a little bit counterintuitive because a lot of people say you should do that, but I think it's much easier to build a product where you can see that there are other people out there that have this problem and, and will pay you for a solution to it. Well, that's an, that's interesting. I, like, I, I agree with that completely. Like, you know, you might be the only person that has that problem. <laughs> so, um, or, or it may not be a, a problem for you. I mean, that's what I did with, with Informally. Yeah. I, I thought... 
this analytics thing was a real problem for me, but it wasn't really. I was just excited by line charts and I still am. I still get reports <laughs> every week with loads and loads of line charts on them because I like them. Oh, I didn't like them last week, <laughs> but before last week, I used to like them a lot. Um, right. But yeah, you, you kind of you kind of get in your own head and make some your own assumptions about how big this problem is for you. Um, and if I was honest with myself back then, I'd never previously paid for an analytics dashboard. So... So why why would I have thought that this was a big problem for me and, and big enough to launch a business around it? It kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. But then again, you also had a bunch of people saying it was awesome, you know, and they, they were looking for it too. But That's why you don't listen to other people. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, well, that dovetails nicely into day six, which is measures of success. So um, I think you need to clearly define your measures of success and what that means to you so and, and set targets around the metrics that matter. So yeah, um, what would you consider those to be? Money in the bank. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's really the only metric that matters and, and, and how, how, um, how much more money you have next week than this week. And, and, you, and you can project out a little bit with, with recurring services. It's, it's a pretty simple equation. You need more customers next week than you have this week and you need to have less customers leaving than, than you have joining. And that needs to go on for a long time. And if you get to the point where you, you can also get more revenue from your existing customers than you got last week, then then that's a big outlet for growth as well. But um, with a recurring business, it's quite simple. You just need a bunch of customers to prove that it's a, it's a problem worth solving and then that number of customers need to grow every week. And once that starts happening you'll see that exponential growth, which we're all seeing at the moment with this crazy virus. And, you know, all my startup friends were nervously looking at those charts when they first started coming out because they they know what those charts look like. Um, But I guess now everyone else does too. But, yeah, as a business, that's what you want. You want things going up every single week and it doesn't take long. Like I think I was doing aiming for 10% monthly growth i think at wp curve and and it was only and that i can't remember the exact numbers but it was something like going from zero dollars to a million dollars revenue in under two years i think just by growing at 10 percent a month yeah um and you can project those numbers out and see if you think you might have a business on your hands yeah for sure um and then day seven is launch so what, what what goes into that yeah, I mean, it's it's again like the 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 seven day thing is it's kind of a made up thing. It's it's you know launch on day one if you can, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for us, you know, I had a bunch of people I could email, ask them to sign up, and I could have a live landing page. Um, I did in both of those cases that I've talked about have a pre, uh, just an email opt in on the site, which is super simple to do. You can do it with Mailchimp basically for free. So I had a bunch of people I could email. Um, and that's all we did. We, you know, we emailed them, or in the, the case of the supply drop, we put it in the group and um, asked them to pay, and, and that was it. That was launch day. Awesome. Well, I have kind of one last question for you. It, well, let me round that up by saying, first of all, um, if you're in this boat and you're looking to start a side hustle or start a new business or you've got uh, an existing biz that you need to pivot, then I would suggest you really go read the book. It's not a long read. You can get it done in a day, easy, um, and and just execute and take action. Uh, you can find the book, 7 Day Startup, on Amazon, 7daystartup.com. Dan Norris.me has information about the book as well. Um, 
Amazon, Audible, any places you normally get a book. Um, but I kind of wanted to circle back. You know, you talked about validating an idea and, and not scratching your own itch. So how did you how did you decide to go into the beer business when there was already so much competition in the beer business? Well, I mean, let's be clear. The, the, um, the Black Ops Brewery is not a seven-day startup. <laughs> no, no, I, I, did, I didn't mean to imply that it was. But, yeah. I mean, I, that, you know, we we're talking about validating ideas and, and finding, a, finding something to, to launch, uh, regardless of whether it's seven days or not. But I was just yeah. curious, as how you, you know, obviously beer is a great choice, but it's a crowded market as well. So what was the kind of the impetus to, to start that? Yeah, well, I actually followed a lot of the same principles, I would say, um, just at, at kind of a totally different scale. Um, but we started we started with one homebrew. We sent it around to our friends and um, the response was good. Like within two months, we found a brewery we could, we could brew this beer at commercially for only $2,000, which we put in. And, and we, we knew we would get that money back as soon as we sold the kegs and we pre-sold all these kegs. So within, within a month or two, we'd... You know, we had a brand, we had the beer, we pre-sold the kegs and we had a launch party organized. And from that point on, it was momentum the whole time. And, you know, th- three, three and a half years on where, you know, a company with, we were doing well over a million liters of beer a year and two breweries, three sites and 30 staff and, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. But um, so so I guess the the proof is in the, results in this case the same as the last example where you know you you can sit back and be like okay this is a crowded market it's probably not going to work or you can just do it and you can see what happens as it turned out it wasn't a very crowded market at all um at the time there wasn't that many up-and-coming breweries and there wasn't that many brewery tap rooms there's still only five on the gold coast and we've got two of them um so you know it felt kind of crowded at the time but but it turns out it wasn't it turns out the industry had a huge amount of growth in it and uh, we were able to realize that once we started we could see that there was a real demand for this um and yeah kind of and really and why did we choose beer just purely because we thought it would be a fun thing to do um and my my mate eddie wanted to start a bar quite a long time ago and, and i just had no interest in doing that again again for the reason of only really being interested in a business that could could scale and grow yeah. and um as soon as he mentioned the word brewery then i was interested because i knew that there was potential to build a, a really big, significant business if if we did it right. And you used you used some of your you know those hard learned lessons from the online space, like creating content for kind of a traditional brick and mortar business and doing content marketing, which kind of really hadn't been done all that much before then. And you know, applying those principles to just a different type of business, and uh, I think with with excellent success from from what I gather. Yeah, and that that was fun for me too because I, I sort of always thought, you know, speaking of a crowded marketplace, that online marketing kind of business guru space is pretty bloody crowded. Yeah, yeah. and I never, I never really enjoyed operating that space. Um, I, I liked the WP Co business, but I didn't really like the because I sort of had the books and the um podcast and I had a, a membership group and whatnot, which the, the group itself was good, but I just, I just didn't really like being a kind of online entrepreneur guy and i always thought it would be way better to just use those skills in a traditional business and yeah i think that's been really good for us because it just meant we had a, a bit of an edge and, and also meant i can 
keep my brain occupied with books and podcasts and blog posts and things for the brewery, um, you know, as opposed to just kind of still writing about online marketing stuff, which I was getting a bit bored talking about. Yeah, and it does tend to kind of feel dirty after a while, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, and if you want to learn more about content marketing, Dan's also got a book called Content Machine, which is a great uh, read for that as well. So, Dan, I really want to thank you for uh, coming on, sharing your story about, um, you know, how to create a business uh, quickly uh, and and how to get some money coming in if if those people out there who are listening are a little bit desperate and a little bit wondering where the next kind of paychecks come, where the next, uh, you know, grocery bill is going to come from, even if they do have a traditional uh, kind of brick and mortar business like a brewery, for example. Um, really generous with your time, and I do appreciate it. Uh, any kind of parting comments anybody out there who might be feeling a little bit desperate at the moment uh no i, I mean hopefully some of this has been useful um but yeah i'm i'm around the place you can email me or message me on facebook if you want any tips or advice on anything and i'm always happy to help i'm not i'm sort of a bit out of it these days with the online marketing and the tech stuff because i've been spending so long running a traditional manufacturing business but if i can help with um contacts and with ideas i'm always generally happy to help people so yeah i'm happy to offer that and and um i hope this has been useful thanks for having me yeah thanks dan and all the best of luck with uh with the uh, supply drop yes thanks mate Talk cheers to you soon. all right i would like to thank dan for joining us and sharing his journey and his experiences if you want to know more about anything we talked about you can head over to the show notes at theactivemarketer.com forward slash 79, and uh, you'll have all the information there and links to how you can get your hands on the seven-day startup. Next week, we're back to a regular weekly schedule with uh, a great guest, Mr. Chris L. Davis. So we'll see you then. In the meantime, get out there and design, automate, and scale your business to the next level. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.